When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jeff Cameron Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio War Chant TV and away we go with said second hour. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew in the house on Twitter. It's at Jay Cameron Show. Thanks to all of you listening here around Tallahassee on 93.3 and those that are watching on War Chant TV or if you're hanging out in the chat as well. Fire away any questions you might have. We'll see if we can get to some of those as well. It's uh, good times. Masters week. Always exciting. Pumped about that. Make quick mention there of the numbers because I like to gamble both legally and illegally. Every type of it, I like it. And I will point out something that I think is interesting. Tom, I want your thoughts on this real quick. Mm-hmm. No one has won back-to-back Masters titles since Tiger Woods, right? We know that. Uh, he did it in 2000 and 2001. Part of a, a hell of a run, one might say. <laughs> That's one apt descriptor of the Tiger Woods run. There have been others that have come out subsequently. I think sometimes when you're immersed in somebody doing something historic, you lose uh, the ability uh, to to really have any perspective as it's, it's happening because you get tired of talking about it. You're like, oh, yeah, Tiger Woods is good. Tell me something I don't know. But then when you see it again, you're like, oh, if they only took the wins from 2000 and 2001, it'd be better than everybody else's career but Jack's. It's like the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> like, oh, that's rather remarkable. But that said, um, don't you feel like this week, like if you were going to make a bet on Scotty Scheffler to win back-to-back Masters, or you wanted to bet somebody to do it, you feel comfortable kind of doing it as much as you can. You kind of feel comfortable. This place is good for him, and he's right and never nervous and really likes being in the mix, and you can get him at plus 700. Feels like really good value. Seven to one is, I mean, that's excellent value. I'd put him at three to one or four to one. He played brilliantly at the match play a couple of weeks ago, so he's in form. He doesn't have to worry about the fear that he dealt with and overcame last year in that Sunday duel with Camp Smith when he's weeping in his abode, yeah. mooring up the, the final round. Like, there's pressure on John Rahm to win this thing. There's pressure on Rory McIlroy to complete the Grand Slam and win his first major since 2014. And those two guys are playing really, really good golf right now. But, I mean, this is a player who I think is playing just as good as anybody else in the world. And his last tournament appearance at the world match play at the WGC 
was outstanding. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, seven to one seems like a, a pretty good bet to take. Well, here's a good way to look at it, too. Okay, he's seven to one. You know who else is seven to one? Rory. You'd feel much better about Scotty Scheffler than you do Rory. Now, infinitely better. Now, the, there is one concern about the weather this week. Yeah, Augusta, awful weather. That impacts things. It doesn't look like it, it's going to rain potentially a ton, but there could be one stoppage on Friday. The wind isn't going to be nuts. But if it does rain consistently Friday through Sunday, the greens are softer, they're slower, so guys can fire at pins, and that may change the math on bringing some some guys into the conversation that might not have been otherwise. Like, for example, a Colin Morikawa, I think, actually might be a better play in this situation. Or you could go the other way and say the long hitters, because it's going to be a softer course, are going to net gain from the distance lost for some of the other guys who need run out. Okay, so there you go. At plus 2,200, that's Tony Finau. Who is gotten? But he does have a third place here. People forget that he hasn't always played well here, but he does have a third, and his game's a lot better now too. And he's shown he can win, and he can handle the pressure of that. But again, he hits it a mile. If that's the case, I kind of like him there at plus twenty two hundred. That is, um, that's a that's a that's a hell of a value too. It's interesting, you know. By the way, he's plus twenty two hundred. You know, this is twenty two hundred. You want to talk about accuracy of irons? You brought Colin Morikawa up. Well, Justin Thomas is also plus 2,200 now. He gets wayward sometimes wow. with the driver, but he is really good with the irons. So that's kind of fun, too. You can get John Rahm at plus 850. Wow. The thing I, I take a look at, 850 for Rahm, he should be at least on even footing with Rory and, and Scotty. That makes little to no sense to me. Uh, the Friday after – this is the weather forecast is going to be more important on Wednesday when you're placing some wagers. Uh, but if you're looking at the draw – the potential for a stoppage as it stands right now is Friday afternoon. So those are the dudes who would have to play extra golf on a Saturday if, if you have a, a stoppage. So if you've got a morning Thursday, afternoon Friday golfer that you like, you might want to pause and wait a couple of days to see how the weather forecast shakes out. Because if those guys have to play extra on the weekends, I, I, I never like that. you got to play nine holes first thing in the morning yeah, on Saturday yeah, yeah. and be sharp again later in the afternoon. That's always a tough ask. Yeah, we'll be monitoring the uh, the field, tee times, and weather, therefore. But it will be fun, always is. And I'm very fortunate, of course, to have been to this place and seen what all the hubbub was about. And uh, now that I've been, I'm even – I already love the Masters. I already love the majors in general. But now that I've been to that one, I, 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 I can't, again, begin to describe for those who haven't been. Uh, there are very few places that live up to the billing when they've been yeah. described the way this place has. And then you get there, and it's even better. You're like, oh, this is better than I thought. I, th I heard people go on and on about this for you know years. I'm like, okay. And then, then you get there, you're like, it's much better. It's better than anybody could have described. It's crazy. Yeah, and I'm so thankful that we do not have a spring game this weekend because that's always D just disrupted. been a crimp in our master's style. I was thinking about asking if you wanted to play golf on Friday afternoon after the show, but I got to be honest, if we're going to golf this week on Thursday or Friday, buddy, it might need to be first thing in the morning so that we could, after the show, partake in the goodness and greatness that is the masters yeah it's hard to not like sit down immediately following the show and watch the masters <laughs> it's hard not it's hard not to not to do yeah. that yeah no i'm excited about it very excited about it somebody mentioned before they're upset with the baseball team look you know i i there's no question that uh, link jarrett can coach he's proven it multiple stops multiple different types of teams proven he can coach this is the same staff he had at Notre Dame that went to the College World Series. Moreover, same staff that he had when they went into Knoxville and beat the number one ranked Tennessee club in that very hostile environment with a loaded roster. 
So they were mentally tough, they were physically tough, and they executed. They did all the things you got to do. They pitched well on the road. They picked up the baseball. They ran the bases well. They did all those things. He's proven he can do that as a player and as a coach. It's not coaching in year one that you want to lay your anger towards. I get the frustration of watching the worst Florida State baseball team uh, in, in, in my lifetime. I, I get it. They're awful, and it's not changing. It's uh, <laughs> They're not going to get better because I think in addition to having lost your best pitcher, which they have in Wyatt Crowell, they haven't had his services, and he would want, he would have won one of these games that they've lost. He would have put them in a position to win multiple times during this current losing streak. But in addition to that, you lose games, you lose confidence. All of it begins to fall to pieces, and I think you've seen that. You've seen a team now that doesn't believe they're going to win because they've, they've been beaten, and they've been snake bit, and they've been hurt, and they just keep losing. And now I, I watch them, and I think these guys are completely bankrupt. They don't believe in anything they're doing at the. I mean, you got guys that can hit. You still have guys that are hitting uh, at a high. Some of these numbers are are mind boggling. Uh, their approach has got to be better. Like, just start with the approach has got to be better at the plate. I was looking at numbers going into the Sunday game, Tom, and I put them in my notes here. I'm going to pull these up here. They were just breathtaking and and very very frustrating. Like, it's hard to fathom that they could be this bad. But here you go. Um, going into yesterday's game. Tibbs led the team in walks. Now, Tibbs is their best hitter. It's really kind of not close. He does a lot of things right in the batter's box. He's got power. He hits for average. He's also the only one who's patient enough to walk. He's walked 26 times. I, I don't know if he walked at all yesterday in that ass kicking that we took, but he had 26 walks going into the game. You know who the next closest was? Smith, 10. Ross is at 9. So get this. A kid who missed 13 games for this team is third in walks. That's terrible. Just taking a cursory glance at the numbers, that's not good. Even well, they're if, terrible. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, but even a kid like Ferrer, okay? Watch Ferrer. Now, I don't want to talk about the defensive stuff because that's I, – I can't. He's – but he's hitting 370 going into yesterday's game. You know what his on-base percentage is? 400. So how many terrible strikes is he swinging at, right? I mean, think about this. Think about, like, it's really interesting to me that you can go back through and look at this. Miami, through the first two games, we talk about the approach. I'm getting very specific here. They had 108 in the Friday game pitches to get the win. They had 117 on Saturday. That kid yesterday had an ERA of over nine and just breezed through us, save for one bad moment. It's it's crazy. We had, in the Saturday game, we had six one-pitch ABs. Or that Friday game. Six one-pitch at-bats. We had nine two-pitch at-bats. Nine! Tom... If you do the math, you get to almost half the outs being made by a total of 20 pitches for the game. The approach is terrible. The confidence, they're devoid of all of it, and they can't pitch, and they don't pick up the baseball. 
other than that, they're a tournament <laughs> team. So that that's the good news. Uh, I mean, to me, this I have a hard time with the approach critique because there is a middle ground, and I understand that. But we lamented in the bulk uh, I, of I the did, meat but era, yes, people did. Yes, we lamented that we never swing at a, at a hittable pitch. And if they see something that they could get after, maybe their scouting report on Friday was this kid's too good, so get to him earlier. I, I don't He's know. not too good. He I had know, a five, I know six. His, I know his ERA was in the fives. Maybe their scouting report said jump on him early in the count, maybe later in the count. The, the average and the, and the numbers plummet uh, for the hitter and its advantage pitcher. I, I don't know. Well, there are a lot of check swing outs. Is that you don't have enough guys who have a natural position. All right, and that that bears every day. You don't have enough arms. A different guy every weekend stands out. Like on Saturday, we got a good Whitaker and, and yeah. Andy Arms, Andy Armstrong. You, you know, if you score four, you win. Yeah, that's, Armstrong and Whitaker were great. Yep, they were. But every weekend, it seems like somebody different on a Friday through a Sunday stands out, and they're just not consistent enough. They don't have enough putout pitches. I think they've got enough potential in that young cro- uh, crop of the pitching staff, but they don't have the development yet. And then on offense, they haven't been healthy with any consistency. And then now you've got confidence issues across the board. So that's how you get to a place where they are, where to me, buddy, it's MLB at bat app more often than not. And uh, that's unfortunate because this season looked like it was going to be a blast and, and it still could turn around. Baseball is that way. There's nothing more lonely, even in a major league season than losing nine games in a row. You could do that and still win 90 for the season. But this is a huge undertaking for Link Jarrett. I thought they'd be better than they are right now. I thought so too. It certainly began very well. They what were they eleven and three? Yeah, uh, the TCU series was. I mean, that, that it felt like oh my god. Turns out TCU kind of sucks, but yeah, 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 it's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I so I, when I was critiquing the approach, this was a broad critique of the current approach. I'm not saying that historically Link teaches an approach by which you make a ton of outs on one pitch. No, I, I'm not saying that. I, there's no evidence in his past that this sort of empty approach to uh, each plate appearance is the norm. But this speaks to the problems in the head of the hitters currently, and the stuff that we're witnessing doesn't make any sense. I mean, you, you can't have check swing you know, tap balls back to the pitcher repeatedly on the first pitch. We saw that multiple times. I'm like, come on, man. If you're committing, commit. Um, there's a whole lot of in-between of everything. And it's really difficult to watch. And you're right. I can't watch. How many times I'm going to watch somebody watch uh, drop a pop fly? That that has to stop. Now, I know they moved him to DH later, but they, that has to, you can't do that. Unless you're a left fielder for the Baltimore Orioles, it doesn't really happen a lot. <laughs> I, I watched infinitely more Major League Baseball this weekend. It's a more watchable product in general. Yeah, uh, no, it's awesome. When yeah. you're, especially when we're this bad, especially when we're this bad. And he'll turn it around. I, I don't have – I'm not losing faith in the long term of the process. It's just that car's a beater right now. You know what I mean? So I'm just going to go watch these other beautiful cars drive up and down the road and do so at a half an hour faster than they have in the first, you know, Weekend of the season a year ago in Major League Baseball. It was a rousing success for the MLB this weekend. Awesome stuff. Rousing success. Only one game on Sunday lasted three hours. One. Um, the average time of uh, a game on Sunday was two hours and 34 minutes. For the season, the average time of a baseball game is two hours and 40 minutes. 75% of games have been played in less than three hours so far this season. 
There has not been one four-hour game yet played this year. Nothing even close to it, despite some 10 to 9 games in oddities. Um, that was the 10 to 9 Blue Jays game over the Cardinals, and that lasted three hours and 38 minutes. Uh, there was a delay in that game, by the way, as well. Um, the, if you're Theo Epstein, if you're if you're Rob Manfred, or anybody who's responsible for this, you have to be overjoyed. Um, batting average on balls put in play is 301. It's the highest that it's been since 2007. Uh, it's still April weather, which isn't great in a lot of places just now. Uh, so, you know, pitchers are always ahead of hitters early in the season. It's staggering to see uh, batting average on balls put in play be this high. That has to do with, as you well know, Tom, the lack of the shift. Uh, yeah. Stolen bases are way up. There have been 70 stolen bases. It's up 37% from last year. The stolen base percentage success rate is at 83%. Um, the rule that limits the number of time that pitchers can step off without risking a balk, which is twice, and a determination by teams now to turn stolen bases into a weapon again because of the added size of the base after what you would describe certainly years of neglect, is going to lead to a lot more movement, a lot more action, a lot more stolen bases, a lot more hit and runs, balls put in play. The game itself is going to be better. Uh, I think we're getting mountains of evidence in a very short period of time, and I'm usually reluctant to use the, that small uh, data set. But, Tom, it, everything about it has been awesome. No, it looks like it did. Uh, when we had the pandemic first start, I went and I watched so much 80s baseball and early 90s baseball. It looks just like that. Yeah, it 80s baseball is what it looks like, like to me, yeah. You know, it's just quick. It, I'm talking early 90s, late 80s, you know, when they're still wearing uh, – they got uh, the stirrups mm. and they've got the jerseys with no buttons. Like, you know, that's what it looks like to me is that old-school manner of baseball. So it's not – it's not a radical change to something different. It's a return to the golden era of what it used to be in terms of pace. They Have they changed some other rules? Sure. I don't know that they wanted to see 45 more successful stolen bases in this short period of time. I don't know how they can change that. Uh, it's not that I have a problem with it. But the other thing I saw this weekend and watching, I probably had six or seven games on that I watched more than a couple innings of over the weekend is with the increased pace, you're starting to see more mental errors from guys in the field because they're flustered more often. They've never been flustered in the last 10 or 15 years in the field. The game's so damn slow. Everything's a, a three true outcome. But I'm seeing defensive mistakes, uh, fundamentals that are lacking. I think the rapid pace of play is forcing everybody's brain to speed up. And so, therefore, there's just kind of a, a more hectic pace to things. I love that. I love that about what I'm seeing so far. I don't think that the 25-point increase – you know, on batting average of balls put in play is going to hold no. the whole season. No, it's it's going to regress a little bit. But uh, it's just, again, I I'm seeing so much more activity, and that also allows for guys to show off how athletic they are. Baseball players are athletic. They're not all pudgy Babe Ruth-looking guys. I'm glad that we can see that a little bit more out in the field. Yeah, they're more athletic than they've ever been. It's amazing to watch, and uh, and, and now they get a chance to do it. I, I would also note, uh, again, we will see – regression to the mean. We will see something uh, along the lines uh, of the kinds of adjustments that we've seen in the past to uh, when pitchers uh, have have at, at various portions of baseball's history dominated. We see an adjustment. When hitters are dominate, we see an adjustment. This is a game of adjustments, and people will figure it out. They'll figure out ways to master what they're not currently um, having success with. I, I just think that the mere pace of play has not 
at least cross the line into ruining the leisurely nature of the game we love. It's pushed it to right where it needs to be, which is I can still have a conversation with you. They're not pitching every six seconds. But the the action that people longed for that was lacking in the game is now omnipresent yeah. no matter which game you turn to. The, yeah, well, uh, the Mets, for example, yesterday, the, the first inning with the Marlins, I think it was 72 pitches. I mean, that's a ton of pitches. And, and you know, it, it did feel long and strung out because both guys were nervous, clearly. The game finished in under three hours with 70-plus pitches. It was about a 35 to 40-minute uh, first inning, which is – that's old school. That, you're not unused to that. That's very typical to have a, an inning that long. But that the game finishes in another two hours for, yeah. the, uh, for yeah. the other eight innings, that is not typical. And I think Briley raises a good point here as he often does, but he says the step-off rule is going to have to go 35% on success, uh, successful steals and a success rate over 80% is untenable. What he's getting at is this is a function of the rules that it's now a success. You don't necessarily have to be good at stealing bases to successfully do so. There has to be, I think, a, a balancing act there a little bit where guys who are good at it are the successful ones, not everybody who's got speed. I, I do kind of agree with him. Well, we'll have to watch and see what happens. I think it's going to get adjusted to whether they change the rules or, or do away with the rule or not. I don't think it's going to sustain itself. We've only gone through one week in a play. So, I, I, I mean, we hardly can draw too many conclusions from that. Um, I do think you'll, you'll see other ways in which they'll slow down running. Um, your elite base stealers back in the day, anywhere between 70 to 120 stolen bases, uh, we're going to get to that point again. We're going to get to where the fastest guys in the league who are adept at stealing bases are going to be the fastest guys in the league who steal bases. And, you know, I mean, there were guys in the league at one time when they utilized the stolen base as a threat, as a weapon, that if you walked them, it was the same as giving up a double or a triple. You just knew it. And the best players in their prime at doing that, obviously, we all know their names. And it was largely built around the fact that you couldn't throw them out. They were that good. They'll be that good again. Uh, those guys might see some skewed numbers. I'll agree with you there. Like the elite base stealers may end up having some numbers that seem a little off. I don't yeah, think that's at 90% yeah, or something yeah. like that. I don't yeah. think you'll see some fat ass steal 37 bases just because of the new rules. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chat TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day, and I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se, and I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, it had an appreciable effect on my energy levels, and also uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin. Your hair, your nails, I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning, and I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon-neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. 
Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the jeff cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio warchant tv on twitter it's at j cameron show jeff and tom are here you are too we do appreciate that in a moment we will welcome in my dear but friend and cohort Irash Bell from Warchant.com. He will be joining us as we get a chance to talk to him. Impressions. Already mentioned it uh, earlier, but need to mention it again. If you're um, if you're wondering how that scrimmage played out, you not only get our commentary on it, but our coverage as well. Ira did a good job. Corey did a good job. Everybody does. Warchant.com. Get yourself a membership, why don't you? That way you don't miss the latest, but... Uh, his article, 10 Big Takeaways from Florida State's Football's Second Scrimmage, Spring Scrimmage, is uh, up on Warchant.com right now. And as we get set to uh, prepare for the final two weeks of spring practice now and head into that April 15th Spring Showcase as it's known, you're going to want to read all that stuff and, and know what's going on. Let's bring him in right now. Warchant.com with the Jeff Cameron Show. Hello, Ira. How the hell are you, buddy? I'm great, Jeff. How you doing, man? Couldn't be better, man. Couldn't be better. I um, I don't know if you heard earlier we were talking about your uh, takeaways, the big, the ten big takeaways article, and um, I get bored, I, and it's a good way to be bored with Jordan Travis stories. So I'm glad you led with Josh Farmer because that guy's really, and, and what I mean by that is just Jordan Travis is going to be good. Period. He's got and he's got more weapons than he's ever had around him, and they're loaded, and he'll be awesome every time you let him play with the ones every time. So I, it's cool, and I know fans need to know that, but I care more about the trenches all the time. And so Joshua Farmer having another great day. Of course, we've seen him at practice be great. I think he's on the cusp of having a great season as well. Mike Norvell singling him out and talking about him being dominant. That was my favorite note of the 10, and they were all good. <laughs> yeah, appreciate it, man. Yeah, I was thinking – it's funny. I was thinking back as I was writing that about when Josh Farmer came in as an early enrollee two years ago. And uh, he came in, and I remember Devontae Love-Taylor, who was a grad transfer offensive lineman, 
said that when they went out to practice, like the, one of the first days they were out there, Josh, former, Josh Farmer pointed to him as a high school senior that was enrolled early in college and basically said, like, I want you. Like, he wanted, you know, you know Devontae Taylor probably wouldn't have been one of the five, top five offensive linemen Florida State has today, but at the time, he was the most proven college lineman they had, and Josh Farmer, as a freshman, basically said, I want to take you on. And now you see him able to back up that confidence with his physical ability. I mean, he's put on 50 pounds since then, mm-hmm. uh, but, but he's you know extremely strong and physical. We've all seen it out there at practice. I mean, he's just – he snatches dudes and throws them around, and he's quick, and he's uh, athletic, and, I mean, he's just a fun player to watch. So in a group that's probably going to be one of the strongest groups on that defensive line, the, the level he's playing at is really cool. Was there anything that you heard the coaches say that surprised you? I know what you wrote. A lot of what we think about with that scrimmage and the write-ups of uh, what the coaches had to say seemed to reveal that, you know, really good players made really good plays pretty consistently. But was there anything that stood out to you that you thought, either good or bad, that you thought was interesting and, and worth noting about spring up to this point and, of course, the scrimmage itself? Well, there are probably a couple things. I mean, I thought one thing that was um, kind of neat was, and it's not a sexy position, but it obviously can be a very important position, is uh, when John Papucci was talking about the kickers. And uh, he, he, he said your boy from Etsu had uh, Damn right. has some sw- swagger about him. And, uh, you know, he basically just kind of talked about how, you know, because I brought up the fact that, you know, while Ryan Fitzgerald's been here and this is the same snapper and holder he's had, and a lot of kickers, man, like that's a big deal. It's an operation. It's not just lining up and kicking a field goal. There's a more to it with the operation. And uh, and he said, man, Keltner's kind of like, man, just put the ball down and I'm going to go kick it. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, watching him in spring, it's not like we've been blown away that he's clearly better or that he's beating out Ryan Fitzgerald. We don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, but I thought that was a pretty cool thing to, for him to say about a kicker, that he's got some swagger about him and, you know, very low maintenance and just wants to go out there and kick. Um, I was a little surprised that, you know, Adam Norvell, I mean, excuse me, Adam Fuller, kind of came out and challenged the safeties the way he did. Not that it's um, surprising. I mean, I do think they need to play better. Um, but, you know, he's not a guy that does a whole lot of that. This coaching staff's not a coaching staff that does a whole lot of that. Uh, so for him to do that, I, you know, I'm sure certainly it was it was planned. They're trying to send a message to those safeties. And, uh, you know, so that was just something kind of catches your eye because they don't do that a whole lot. I think the whole season really kind of depends on this defense becoming um, something of a strength and something that you can trust week to week, or at least against the better offenses. So I'm kind of glad to hear it. You know, I know they have a lot of athletes back there. They have a lot of guys that I think could fill the role. And if they're really good up front, there's really no reason those kids won't be playing with high leverage situations, meaning third and long and opportunities for takeaways. It's kind of interesting, though, like you said, to hear them call it out specifically. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's a great point. You know, if you think back to last year, you know, I think they didn't, they didn't have a whole lot of confidence that they were going to get pressure with the front four last year. Uh, you know, obviously Jared Verse had some great moments. Patrick Payton had some great moments. But they blitzed a lot as a defense because they knew they had to dial up some pressure. I think this year they think that that front four is going to be able to put a lot of pressure on people. And so now you can't. it's not good enough to just be in position to not give up the big play. The one thing that defense did a great job of last year is they didn't give up a ton of big plays. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a lot of busted coverages. They didn't get beat over the top a lot, but I think Adam Fuller's 
and, and I'm sure Patrick Sertan and Mike Norvell are expressing to these DBs, okay, this is a different year. It's not good enough to just be in position and make the tackle after the completion or try to break it up. You go, you guys need to go make plays, and, and I think they've got the ability to do it. I think Shaheen Brown certainly is a guy that can make plays. Akeem Dent is has probably dropped you know yeah. interceptions in his college career, so it's time for those guys to make some plays. And and it's you know they it's it, those are game changing plays. I mean, it's one thing to make a stop on second down or third down; it's another thing to get the ball back, and and that would be a big deal for this team. Do you think we know Johnny Wilson? Uh, it's just going to work on one thing, which is, is he's just got to be better at in, in more consistent catching the, the standard ball. He makes dynamic catches all the time. He's a matchup problem. He's all these things. But if he just makes those catches, he'll be an elite player. Do you do you believe that the other guy that will emerge as somebody you can count on is going to be Portier? I don't know that I'm buying that he's going to be like the number two receiver on the team. Yeah, me neither. Um, you know, he's, he's had a good spring and, you know, and he's, he's a nice weapon. He had a bunch of important catches last year. Um, but I think he's still going to be that, you know, kind of in that fourth receiver kind of range. Um, but we'll have to see who emerges. I mean, Van Dravius Jacobs has been outstanding all spring. He may end up being the number two guy. I mean, I, I don't think that's unreasonable to think that could happen, or at least maybe the third guy, Winston Wright's now available. Um, and then you have some other guys as well. So, uh, I you know I think you know we'll see Darian Williamson and, and some of the other guys they have there, but I think he's a he's going to be a solid member of that rotation. I don't know that I would say yeah he's going to be your number two receiver. All right, you want to add anything to the pain that is watching Florida State baseball? <laughs> uh, I just I I just want to see them compete a little bit more, man. I mean I know they're not going to be a good baseball team, and I'm not questioning whether or not this coaching staff can coach i think they can right i i would like to see a little bit more com- competitiveness from this team even in the game so a game that was a one run of the game on saturday where they you know cut it to, to one in the ninth inning with a home run by tibbs you still didn't feel like there was any emotion like that and i get it man you've lost eight or nine games and and you're you're down on yourselves and you're losing confidence and all that um i'd like to at least see just some more competitiveness because that's been the disappointing thing. They're not just getting beat. They're getting beat in a way that you don't usually see baseball teams beat at this level. And I just need to just like to see a little bit more competitiveness. It's brutal. Worst team I've ever seen them field. And, um, and it shouldn't be as bad. I don't think it should be as bad as it looks. Correct. Personally. Now, they do have, Tom, I think correctly pointed this out when we were having our lament. You know, they got a lot of guys that don't have a natural position. Just dudes playing places because they have to play places, but they don't look like they should play in those places. <laughs> and I think that's 100% true. And that's when I remember talking to Chuck Ristano, the pitching coach, when they came in, and he said one of the things Link is great about is he recruits two positions. So when they recruit guys, when he, when he sees a player, he or the, Rich Wallace, the other assistant coach, when they're out evaluating players and they say, man, coach, you got to see this guy. The, the first thing Link says is, okay, what what is he defensively? Like yeah. that's, I don't want to hear just how what a great hitter he is. Where is he going to play? How is he going to help us defensively? So I think you're going to see that change. But, yeah, right now it's the land of misfit toys, no question. Yeah, I think the quote was, as you said before, where does where can I put him to see championship-level defense? Yeah, right. or something like that, right? Where does he play championship-level defense for me? And obviously yeah. it's really cool if, if the guy's versatile enough that you say, well, you can put him at short or second, and that descriptor holds. I mean, that'd be great. 
Uh, right now, none of those guys, <laughs> none of those guys fall and, under that umbrella. And that might not even be as big a problem as the pitching. Woo! Woo! Go, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad I asked you to comment on it. I was. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Be Thank good. You. All right, bye. That's Ira Chaffel, WarChant.com. Yeah, man. That is one of the things that stands out the most, though. You're like you're watching, you're like man, it just he makes it look so difficult. Any of the guys, any of them, as it's happening, you're like, that's a root dead. Looked harder than it was. <laughs> All of this looks very difficult. <laughs> it's like me throwing a baseball to my wife. She might catch it. Woo! I'm nervous the whole way the ball's in flight. There's nothing about her on the receiving end of that baseball while holding a glove that suggests she's going to avoid disastrous injury. It's just like, eh, oh, you caught a good job. <laughs> and then she'll say, I don't want to do this. I don't want to either because the next one's going to hit you in the nose and I'll be responsible. And so that's that. Boys, come out here and catch with your dad. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUHomeLoans.com. FSUHomeLoans.com. Jeff Cameron Show on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Good Monday, everybody. What's the, are we, do we have horrific weather on the way? Am I seeing that? Am I uh, missing out on my civic duty here and not informing the people of Tallahassee that they need to be uh, on the lookout for tornadoes? Is that right? Damn it, man. I had planned on golfing several times the next couple of days and of course it's about when i can golf guys we want to thank terry's pool service for supporting our jcs slash war chant charity golf tournament for a second consecutive year still trying to get that pool into shape are you there's nothing wrong with asking for a little help from terry's pool service spring is just about here in fact it is here and your family is expecting to see a good looking backyard paradise that can't be if you've got green water and yellow pollen and a collection of who knows what all piled up in the corner. You need help and you need it fast. Needless to say, calling Terry's Pool Service will save your pool. Check them out at terryspools.net, terryspools.net, or call 850-580-7334 because you never know when you're going to need them. You know, I miss the days of us saying www so that old people could participate. That was how that worked for a very long time. Um, you had to, you had to say WWW because otherwise they would be out there in the wilderness, just typing in things that didn't exist. Well, it's not there. There's nothing. Now you don't really even have to do that. You just go to Google. You type two words. It's like, ah, right there to the top. It happens quick. I don't think Tom, are you going to take John Rom? Uh, the hesitation probably speaks volumes, right? It's just so often there's at least one heavy favorite who doesn't do a thing. He's usually the, the one who doesn't do a thing at the Masters. 
Justin Rose comes to mind as a prohibitive favorite about a handful of years ago, and that never got off the ground. It never felt like it was going to, and it never really did. He missed the cut. Uh, Yeah, that's probably right. It is right. Probably probably (laughs) shot 80 on the first day or something along those lines. Devastating. uh, I hesitate. I really want to see the draw, who is uh, afternoon, Thursday, morning, Friday. That's where I would lean if I'm going to make a winner bet. But if I'm putting a roster together, Rahm is certainly not a bad pick. Yeah, if you're putting a roster together, you're going to want him uh, on it. If in our case we have a pool with ten players, so you you know it's it's probably a good idea to float that out there and not expect him to win. Of the live guys, I think there are only likely what I guess you could say maybe three. It does look like Brooks is healthy finally, um, yeah, winning insignificant. Healthy, yeah, he's he's fueled by defiance, and this is a whole lot of defiance when you're live. And you're showing up at the Masters, so uh, that's dangerous. DJ is always going to be dangerous, and, and Cam, Cam Smith. Smith yeah. Cam is the best pick of Live, and it's not even close. Yeah, it's Cam at plus two thousand. By the way, you can get Dustin at plus twenty five hundred. I have not seen Brooks's selection yet, but I have to double check on where he's at. Uh, I was thirty two or thirty five, yeah. according to somebody in the chat. To one, thirty five to one is what I think I saw there. Yeah, you're right. That's not bad. Yep, thirty five to one a flyer on him. I wouldn't take him anywhere else. He's not playing any real golf these days, so I, I don't know. You know, that's the thing you worry about. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I just – I'm having a hard time not kind of taking uh, – uh, t- to me, Scheffler, over and over and over again, I just like, okay, well, I'm going to keep picking him because every time it's a major, he shows up, and he's now he's unflappable. Yeah, he's the kind of guy who makes the putts that win majors, which is to say – The tough nine-footer have- for par? you've royally screwed up a hole you're scrambling and you've got even yeah sometimes for scotty i wouldn't be stunned if he makes a 15 or a 20 footer for par and it will carry a lot of speed it's not going to drip over the edge it's going (laughs) to bash the back center of the cup but that just tells you that the guy is confident and fearless and you got to be fearless to win majors and when these guys get hot i mean that's the thing that's happened over the last 10 years i mean getting close to 15 with rory he won a bunch together in a short period of time Jordan Spieth Brooks Kepka, Jason Day would have uh but he was concurrent with another era like a Jordan Spieth uh it's just, and he it got in, like the, and he got vertigo <laughs> and he got vertigo all the time yeah. after that yeah but there was that there was that window where he and Spieth were both on the rise at the same time uh DJ was uh it, he's an exception when it comes to annual wins on the tour before he left but finally, when he wins, you see him in the top page of the leaderboard, seemingly every single tournament for a few years there. It's Scotty's time, it feels like. So it's not a bad pick. He or Cam Smith, I think, are two really good picks for this. Game. It is weird to me that that is the trend, by the way, the the trend of of guys coming in and winning a bunch in a hurry. Even even a young, young, young player like Colin Morikawa already has a couple majors in the bag, right? So it's like... Mm-hmm. If he never wins another one, he's got two under his belt, and he'll win other tournaments. So his career is kind of set. Like, if he retires 10 years from now, and let's say he wins seven more times total and never wins another major, you're going to be like, well, that was a hell of a career. He won 12 times on tour and had two majors. But we won't remember it that way because he won the majors right there in this failed swoop of, like, 12 months. Yep. Yeah. The other question becomes the obvious one that everybody wants to talk about in the casual golf circles. How far does Tiger go? Does he make the weekend A and B? Does he contend on the weekend? I don't think so. 
Now, I saw him practicing this morning, uh, and it made me it made my heart smile. I, I'm rooting for it. It'd be great to watch, but uh, you feel like that's going to happen? The amount of precision shots he hit at Riviera. Now, I know that there was a blow-up on the weekend, uh, Sunday specifically, but he did shoot, was in round two or round three, one of the better rounds on the course for that yeah, Round two. Day. I think it was round two, yeah. I'm okay with doing that. Well, that's only one day out of four, Tom. I'm okay with rebutting that with it's Augusta. He knows his way around that course, and it's not as it's a difficult walk, but I don't think it's as difficult as those two massive hills on Riviera and then also being the tournament host for the week at Riviera. This is a singular focus from Tiger, and if you look at the shots he hit specifically on a ton of the par threes, they were precision irons to inside 10 feet. About as many as anybody that weekend. Mm. Driver distance is not a problem. He knows his way around the course. I think it's a made cut as long as he doesn't get on the bad side of the weather draw and he doesn't have to play too many holes in one particular day. I think it's a made cut, and who knows after that. I'm I'm rooting for it to, to be. Let's answer Briley's questions before I get to probables. He wants to know which do you all think uh, we more often use in an attempt to get pressure, an extra defensive lineman or via the blitz? I don't think we're going to blitz nearly as much this year. Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, so what's he saying, that there would be five DL out there? Um, no, I mean, I, mean I think you maybe. well, does he mean that you're going to have one of the defensive linemen that you feel like can get to the passer like a Briggs to go along with two Russians? I think that's more likely. Plus, Adam Fuller has already shown a propensity to put two rush ends together in order to confuse one half of the offensive right. line. So if you put Peyton and Verse next to each other and then Briggs and, say, Farmer on the other half of the line, that is a really interesting, and, and you've got your hands full with that four-man front. Uh, if he's talking about an extra lineman versus, like, say, it's third and 12 and you only have a three-man front, would there be four out there instead of three? I think that's a fair – yeah, I think so. He also asked earlier during the IRA interview, are we getting to the place where the defensive tackle rotation can be 20 to 25 snaps a player? I think that's absolutely the case. I do too. You can have a I ton of dudes with 20 to 25 snaps, yes. Real quick, as we get set to do probables, and he'll cue it up in a minute, remind you guys out there, if you've got a youngin', whether it's a softball player or a baseball player, whatever it might be, any degree of skill, whatever it might be, just looking to get the most out of that experience, go see my friends at Power Mill Training Academy – uh, they have the way of not only teaching uh, the skills necessary, but also how to motivate athletes and focus on baseball and softball with specific tools to reach their true potential. It's good for those that are serious players and those that are just looking to have a lot of fun and everybody in between. That is, again, Power Mill, uh, powering performance. If you would, cue it up, Matthew. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? Mets Brewers already underway in the day game. Carlos Carrasco and Freddie Peralta. We got Giants, White Sox, Anthony Discalfini, Michael Kopech, Cubs, Reds, Drew Smiley, Connor Overton, Twins, Marlins, Tyler Mahal, Johnny Cueto, Rays, Nats, Drew Rasmussen, Trevor Williams. Rays off to a good start, 3-0 on the season. Phillies and Yankees. Come on, Phillies, get off your ass with that 0-3 start. That ain't going to get it done. Tawan Walker going to pitch for the Phillies. Nestor Cortez goes for the Yankees. Store. There it is. Pirates, Red Sox, Johan Oviedo, and uh, Cutter Crawford. We got the Blue Jays and the Royals, Jose Barrios and Brady Singer. Braves, Cards, Charlie Morton, Jake Woodford, Martin. Orioles, Rangers, Kyle Bradish, John Gray, Tigers, Strohs, Matthew Boyd, Hunter Brown, Guardians, Athletics, Zach Plesak, and James Caparillian. 
D-backs, Padres, Ryan Nelson, Ryan Weathers, Angels, Mariners, Reed, Detmers, George Kirby, and closing out the night, Rockies, Dodgers, Ryan Feltner, Michael Grove. Good job, Tom. Good job, Matthew. Good job, you guys. Peace. See you tomorrow.